Hi, this is Guido Kuas from Passion for God Ministries. And today our episode um, is called Does God Send Suffering Part 2? So last week we looked at um, a popular belief among Christians, especially evangelical Christians, who believe that whatever comes their way, God is behind it and God has sent it especially suffering, tragedies, disappointments in life, um, all sorts of bad things, random things happening to them, um, to attribute it to God's um, action towards them. And that the purpose of the suffering is to make them stronger and more spiritual. And we've shown you how this is unscriptural, and how the promises in the Bible speak of a God who wants to bless his children and that the only suffering we see as sanctioned by God is persecution that is when Satan is taunting believers to let go of Jesus and deny their faith and their love for Jesus and as a Christian you stand up and say no even if you take my life, I will never let go of Jesus. I love him. And the Bible tells us in Revelation 12:11 that is how we overcome the devil, by not loving our lives even unto death. And so persecution is totally different, um, and that does not equate with random suffering that we in the West here we see. Uh, young children dying, um, people um, experiencing tragedies, health problems, and stuff like that. And we saying, thank you, Jesus, for sending that to us. That is not biblical sound theology. So we established all that last week. If you haven't listened to that, please go back to our previous episode, part one of Does God Send Suffering and familiarize yourself with that. But for those who have, I'm continuing with um, part two of this subject. And I want to look um, at this um, scripture with you, and it's in Job. So last week I didn't touch on Job, and I know many would say, hang on, you say God doesn't send suffering. What about Job? Job was sent suffering to, to, to be tested. And uh, so I, I said, well, let's deal with it in this second uh, part here. And I'll show you scripturally what uh, the truth is, what God is trying to tell us with the story of Job. And one thing to bear always in mind is you cannot take one scripture and build a whole theology on it. You need to look at the, the entire Bible. I call it the Council of God all that God is counseling us about truth, about himself, about the church, about Israel, about an in, you as an individual, um, that is revealed in the whole Bible. And so we need to study all that before we come to a wrong conclusion. So um, we'll start by looking at Job. In Job um, chapter 1, 6 to 12, we see that Satan instigates an attack on Job. He comes and challenges God 
um, to give him permission to touch Job, take things away from him and see whether Job will not curse him, curse God and, and die. But God is so confident in Job that he, he says to Satan, okay, you can touch him. So you see, this is not God doing it. This is God saying to Satan, okay, you have found a legal right somewhere. And we'll come to that in a minute. There is a claim somewhere on Job. So you can touch him, but you can't take his life. But rem remember, it's saying you. So God is saying Satan is doing it. It's not me. It wasn't even in God's ID to test Job. It's Satan came before God and said, let's do this and see how good Job is or not. And so Satan goes ahead and attacks Job and takes everything away. Children, house, business and um, his wealth and also ultimately his health. And what Job says you find in Job 121 and he exclaims the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away may the name of the Lord be praised now this is something that he says in his suffering in his agony in his despair but you cannot stop here and think this is truth. We need to make a song about it. We need to sing about it. What an amazing surrender of declaring that God will give you things and then take them away and I will just have to praise him anyway. This is where I would argue this is a God view. I'll go even further. This is a distorted God view. But you will say, but it's in the Bible. Okay, it's in the Bible also that Judas went and hung himself. Does that mean I need to go and hang myself too every time I, I do something really bad? No, it's in the Bible to show us how people reacted, how people came to the wrong conclusion and made big mistakes that sometimes cost their life. Um, but it does not mean that that is an honorable thing that we need to sing about and make a song about it it's just showing us you know the good and the bad and the ugly you know of of the normal people in the bible so let's have a look at this does god really send suffering because he he gives and takes away uh, and all we have to do is to praise him is this a true nature of god well to come to kind of a biblical sound um answer about these things we need to look at several verses and i, I want to um, invite you to look with me in john 10 verse 10 there it says this is jesus speaking the thief comes only in order to steal to kill and destroy and in the amplified verse um, in amplified bible it continues but i came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. So the thief, we're talking about the enemy here, comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That is not the part of God towards his people. He doesn't come to steal and kill 
and destroy and take away and toy with you and dangle things in front of you and then yank it away. That is not the image of God that Jesus came to bring. He says, I came that they may, and I would, I would say, you know, what Jesus would be saying is, I came that you may see who the Father is, that he wants to give you life, life in abundance. That's what I came to give, said Jesus. This is the nature of God, to give you life in abundance. So already we're starting to think, okay, so um, doesn't seem like God um, gives and takes away. He actually wants to give you things to enjoy. Um, James 1.17 talks about every good and perfect gift is from above, says James, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He's talking here about a God, Father God, who likes to give only good and perfect gift. And he is not um, changeable. Like, you know, when you're in a dark room and you light a candle, the candle casts, the, the, the flame casts shadows that's just dancing around, moving around. You can't, you, you, you can't point at it because it's already moved. Um, God is not like that, shifting and changing. One day he's blessing you. Tomorrow he's going to take things away from you. No, he gives good and perfect gifts. And in, um, in another verse, it says how God's um, gifts are irrevocable. You find that in Romans eleven twenty nine, God's gifts are irrevocable or irrevocable. Um, he doesn't give things. He says, nah, I'm going to take it back from you. Um, and it's evident in, you see many ministries that um, may uh, be practicing sin or may have hidden sins in them and yet they have the gift of healing. Um, I know personally of a guy who God used to start this kind of um, revival in the States not so long ago. And... Um, People were coming and really get healed and they were touched by God. And yet it broke into the news that this guy who was doing this whole thing was having uh, an affair, an extramarital affair with a worship leader. Um, and it's 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 it just broke people's hearts to think that, you know, they came there to see God and they received healing. And yet the instrument um, that God was using is a is a sinful man and broken, um, but the gifts were working because the gifts of healing that he had are exactly what the word says. It's a gift. You know, it's like when you buy a toy for your for your son or your daughter. You buy them a beautiful toy. Um, they're playing with it, but next minute they break your expensive vase. You know, or they they break you spill water over your laptop. Um, that doesn't mean you're going to give the, take the toy away. That's it. I'll, I'll take this toy away. You can't have it anymore. No, it's a gift. You've given it. Um, and so it's the same thing with God. His gifts are irrevocable once he gives it to you. Because otherwise, if you think this through, if we wouldn't know if God is going to let us keep this gift or not, 
um, you could not go call God a rock, which you find in Deuteronomy 32, where it says, ascribe greatness to our God, the rock, um, signifying that you can, you know, you can build your life upon it. Jesus says in Matthew 7, you know, a wise man builds on a rock that is equivalent to us building our lives on Jesus. His word is a rock. What he says will go. He does not change his mind. If he says, believe in me and you will have eternal life, he's not going to change it tomorrow and say, well, actually, you're not going to get it. Um, we can count on God. When it says God is good and he wants to bless us and give life in abundance, we can build our life on that and know that is what God is going to do. He's not going to change his mind. So by believing in a whimsical God, a God that um, you cannot re rely, an unreliable God with unreliable faithfulness and unreliable goodness, um, you have built a God that is not the God of the Bible. By believing what Job says as absolute truth, you have built a God that is likened to the God of the pagan, a God of the pagans who have to appease and placate God for rain. That they have to placate their gods for rain, for for um, uh, just for benefits to receive uh, from them, um, and that shows you that that is the pagan view of God. Uh, but they worship demons and they worship Satan, who indeed toys with people and who comes to kill, to steal and to destroy. But our God, the Father that Jesus came to show us, is not like that. Because the next thing you, you can look at is, if you want to know how God the Father is, you look at Jesus. Because Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because I only do what the Father tells me to do. I model my life on the Father. Doing his will is my food. He says that. Right? And so if you see Jesus and the things that we easily attribute to Jesus. His kindness. His meekness. His gentleness. His love for sinners. Where do you think he got it from? From the Father. So if you've seen Jesus, you know who the Father is. He loves sinners. He loves to bless. He loves to heal. How long, how, how much of his ministry did Jesus spend on healing? If you read the Gospels, it's a lot. It's a lot. A large proportion of his ministry was not teaching, but actually minister, laying hands on people till late at night. Um to just heal the sick and set the captives free. That's the father telling him to do it because what's in the heart of the father is healing the sick, saving the sinners, giving life in abundance, not taking things away and sending suffering, taking our children away, putting sicknesses upon us just to teach us a lesson. We mistake some scriptures that says about trials and tribulation as um, random suffering that we see around. People getting sickness, dying, 
children committing suicide, um, you know, people in ministry having to bury their children because they killed themselves. And we attribute that as, well, you see, God gives and God takes away. The problem with that is you have created an un, a distorted God view. That means an image of God that he is not. And as soon as you agree with a, an untruth, something that isn't true about God or about yourself, about life in general, that is not biblical, you have partnered with the evil one. You have partnered with lies. Jesus called Satan in John 8, the father of lies, a murderer and a father of lies. That means every lie is conceived by him and he manages this kingdom of lies and darkness. As soon as I believe a lie, I have gone over into his side and then he has power over me. So let me introduce to you this too. Um, John 14 verse 30, where Jesus tells you about this little secret of him, how does he walk in victory at all times? How can the devil not get him? Um, and he explains his secret. He says this, Satan has no claim on me. John 14 verse 30. The prince of the world is coming and he has no claim on me. The Amplified Bible brilliantly puts in bracket what it means when he says he has no claim on me. It means Satan has nothing in common with me. There is nothing in me that belongs to Satan and therefore he has no power over me. So it's telling me here that Jesus' immunity against the devil's schemes was not based on his divinity because he was God. No, it was based on his humanity. But in his 100% humanity, he has kept his heart pure to believe only truth. He, his lifestyle and his thinking and his heart had nothing in common with the devil. And there was nothing in him that belongs to the kingdom of the devil. Therefore, the devil had no power over him. So for us, that is very illuminating because how can the devil have power over me? If I have something in common with him, if I believe the lies he believes, I've partnered with the father of lies. If I believe a lie about God, God sends suffering, then I've partnered with the evil one. And then he has power over me. He will send evil things to me. And it will start looking as if indeed suffering is coming my way, left, right and center. Why? Because that's what I believed. Now, this is not God fulfilling my beliefs. This is the enemy whom I partnered with in a lie, fulfilling my uh, distorted God view. So we need to clear up our God view biblically. Look at the word of God and get our God view right. Because if you believe that God is a God that toys with you, that dangles blessings in front of you and then yank it away just as you're about to enjoy them, then you've created a God like the Israelites did in the desert. They built a golden calf. 
and and you know what happened to them so for us it's very important jesus said you know um that whoever wants to worship god and you know um uh worship doesn't necessarily mean singing nice soft songs you know quiet songs that's not what it means um worship means giving homage giving honor to so it implies you prostrating yourself in front of a great king and just give him honor and treat him with respect with reverence and jesus says of that that um whoever wants to worship god honor him serve him um give him homage and uh revere him needs to do so in spirit and in truth so i need to come in truth i cannot come in a lie before god it doesn't work and my life is not protected then because i've partnered with a lie i need to come in truth to really be able to sample and taste and see that the lord is good i need to believe that he is um Hebrews uh, 11, of course, verse 6 says, without faith is impossible to please him. We need to have faith in who he really is. For the one who comes to God must believe that he is, and I would say that he is who he says he is in the Bible, and that he proves to be the one who rewards those who seek him. So he's a good God. He will reward those who pursue truth, who seek for truth, like in Proverbs, like you're looking for silver or, or or gold you know it's not easy to find those elements you need to really search for them but those who search for them and ask for god show me the truth search me lord test my heart try me they will find the truth and you will find that he rewards you and finally i want to leave um leave you with deuteronomy 28 read deuteronomy 28 1 to 14 and it talks about those who um, those who serve God, those who obey God, those who obey his commandments will have this list of blessings from, you know, verse uh, three right up to verse uh, 13 of just blessings coming your way. That means if you remove the wrong God views, the distorted God views and your wrong beliefs about him and about yourself, and you start thinking godly, scripturally, truth in truth, you will unlock, by faith, you start unlocking the truth, the unlocking the benefits of believing truth, which is this list of blessings. So meditate on that, Deuteronomy 28, 1 to 14, and you'll see this is God. This is what God has for you. Not suffering, not just taking things away from you, not sickness no he wants to heal you instead and keep you in health he wants to bless you bless your children bless your marriage bless your life bless your finances bless your business that's who god is this is our god majestic righteous faithful in whom there is no injustice he is just 100 percent all the time good 100 percent love all the time and he cannot change he will not change because that's just who he is so let's pray together 
Father, I pray that you will take this meditation of your word to those who are listening and really pour upon them a spirit of revelation and truth and understanding and insight that you will open the eyes of their hearts and the, the ears of their understanding that they may see you, that they may see you for who you really are. God, the Lord, almighty, faithful, full of compassion, loving, in whom there is no unrighteousness, who just wants to bestow blessing and loving kindness upon those who love him. I pray, Lord, that you will connect your listeners to, to the truth that is in your word and let them start experiencing your love for them. We ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. And as usual, this is um, Gita Kuas from Passion for God Ministries. You can find us on our website, passionforgodministries.org. So Passion for God Ministries, one word, dot org. Um, and you can uh, contact us there, email us from that website. Any questions you have, any help you need, um, we also give, uh, we provide service, uh, counseling services and to help you find your distorted God views, help you find your ungodly beliefs and so that you can partner with truth and be set free, experience healing, restoration, all that God has for you. So I hope you've been blessed by listening to this and let us know all your comments uh, and questions at our website. God bless you. Amen.